I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. John 10, 11 through 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. Thank you, Russell. And you can have a seat. I invite you to keep your Bible open to John chapter 10. We'll be going through these uh, verses, verse by verse. And as you know, we're going through the great I am's of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And Pastor Hermie, remember he preached on I am the bread of life and then We talked about, I am the light of the world, and last week we talked about, I am the door. This week, we're talking about the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Truly an amazing statement. The Jews thought he was crazy. You know, maybe he had a demon. Why? Because they had read and they had studied their Old Testament, that's why. And they knew that it was God Almighty who is described as a shepherd. I mean, just... Who does this Jesus think he is? God? David the shepherd boy wrote the familiar Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and it was the priestly prophet Isaiah who described God this way in Isaiah 40. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. I mean, what a wonderful picture of God. That verse has inspired many an artist, and it was Ezekiel looking through the window of time to the future, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, who wrote in Ezekiel 34, verse 23, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them, and he will be their shepherd. Think about this. That was written during the Babylonian captivity. David has been dead for some 500 years. It couldn't be David but rather the greater David, the one who was born in the town of David, 
in the line of David and would sit on the throne of David. And Jesus claimed to be the fulfillment of that verse when he said in John 10, 16, the one that Russell just read, I am the good shepherd. Jesus said there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And by saying that, Jesus was saying, yes, I am the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. I am the one. I am the Messiah. I am God. No wonder the Jews thought he was nuts. Though some said, hey, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Meaning only God can do that. Today I want us to look at Jesus as the good shepherd. And in John 10, 11 to 21, I think Jesus delineates four important characteristics of the good shepherd that reveal probably more clearly than any other passage of scripture the very nature and the heart of God. So let's look at these four characteristics of the good shepherd. Characteristic number one, I just want to call the care of the shepherd. Verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I think this is the main characteristic of the good shepherd, that he cares enough about the sheep that he will lay down his life. Matthew writes about uh, this, um, Jesus About Jesus in Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You say, hey, does God really care about me? Well, I mean, he laid down his life for you. I mean, he died on the cross for you. And John writes in his first epistle, chapter 3, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So does God care for us? I mean, he cares so much that this good shepherd, he became a lamb. Think about that. The shepherd became a lamb. I mean, read Isaiah 53. Tells us that the shepherd, the Messiah, will be led away as a lamb to the slaughter. I mean, all of the iniquities of the world will be laid upon him, and he would die for us. He would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities. In fact, the last book of the Bible pictures the lamb and the shepherd as one. I mean, look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. See, the shepherd is the lamb, and the way to know him is that he lays down his life for the sheep. And that's the care of the shepherd. Uh, secondly, characteristic number two, I want to just call you know, the contrast of the shepherd. Verses 12 to 15, I'm going to reread those in John chapter 10. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, the hired hand doesn't care about the sheep because he doesn't own the sheep and the hired hand treats the sheep probably like the way we used to treat our parents' car. Right? Hey, we didn't own it. But you remember your first car? When you had to pay for it, you bought your car, it belonged to you, you probably washed it three times a day, spent hours shining that thing up, almost rubbed the paint off of it. You cared for that car because that car belonged to you. 
party of tourists was on its way to Palestine and its guide was describing some of the cool and quaint customs of the East. Now, he said, uh, uh, you're accustomed to seeing the shepherd following his sheep through the English lanes and byways, but out here in the East, things are a little bit different for the shepherd always leads the way, going on before the flock and the sheep follow him for they know his voice and the party reached Palestine and to the amusement of the tourists, almost the first sight to meet their eyes was that of a flock of sheep being driven along by a man and the guide was naturally embarrassed and he was kind of upset and he said to the man, how is it that you are driving these sheep? I've always been told that the eastern shepherd leads his sheep and the man said, you're quite right, sir. The shepherd does lead his sheep, but you see, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. (laughs) You see, the butcher doesn't own the sheep either, and that's the contrast. God owns us. He's very much interested in our lives, and not only did God create us, but he's paid for us. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Do you see the contrast? The shepherd cares because he owns the sheep. The hired hand could care less. And so when the wolf comes, the hired hand is is out of here because he doesn't care. There's an interesting statement in Acts chapter 20 verses 29 and 30 about shepherds or pastors of local churches and it says that they are to warn the flock about savage wolves that will come in and will not spare the flock and also about those who will be right within the flock but who are wolves by nature, wolves in sheep's clothing, who will deceive the flock and lead many astray. We're talking about false teachers and false teaching and false testimony. You see, the shepherd not only provides for the sheep but also protects the sheep from danger, unlike the hired hand. And so not only does the good shepherd lead us into those green pastures and beside the still waters, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. And I believe it's God's word that both feeds us and protects us. Think of the green pastures of his word, the rod of his word. God's word is not only food for the soul, it's It's a rod. It's like the shepherd uses a rod to to not only discipline his own, but to beat off the wolves. So Jesus used the word of God, didn't he? In the battle that he had with Satan in the desert. Three times, remember, Jesus said to Satan, it is written, right? It is written. It is written. So how important it is for us to read and to hear and to study and to memorize and meditate and obey the word of God. The word of God is a rod, And the word of God Almighty in the person of Christ in the future will come out like a rod of iron and will destroy the enemies of the gospel. Read Revelation. The care of the shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. The contrast of the shepherd. The shepherd owns the sheep, but the hired hand does not. Therefore, does not care about the sheep and bails out when the wolves come. And it's no accident that Jesus calls himself the good The good shepherd. And that word good can also mean not only goodness, but it can mean beauty. It can mean attractiveness. And I believe there is an attraction um, that Jesus Christ has. You know, people from every tongue, tribe, 
and nation are being drawn to Jesus like a magnet. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Characteristic number three, I want to call the companionship of the shepherd. Verse 14, I know my sheep, my sheep know me. Uh, The word in the original language is experiential knowledge. Gnosko is the big Greek word. Gnosko, experiential knowledge. It's one thing to know the stove is hot. But if you put your finger on it, you really know it's hot, right? And so it's one thing to know Jesus, but it's another thing to know Jesus. I mean, there's a huge difference between intellectual knowledge and experiential knowledge, gnosko knowledge. It's about 18 inches, to be exact, right, from your head to your heart. And I always say sometimes people miss heaven by 18 inches. The Bible says in verse 15 of John 10 that we can have the same kind of relationship with Jesus as Jesus does with God the Father. You talk about companionship. You talk about closeness. You talk about a trinity unity. Do you have that kind of companionship with Jesus? Think of the oneness and the unity between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying we can have that closeness and companionship with him. Visit Palestine. You may wonder how those sheep come to follow that one shepherd and Don't they get confused, you know, especially where there are so many in those Bedouin camps and so many different sheep and flocks all over the place, and how do they know which is their shepherd? By experiential knowledge. Hearing his voice, knowing him, and the way you know the shepherd is by experience. Sure, we're to learn the facts, you know, the truth, the word of God, absolutely, but there's more than that. The shepherd becomes real to the sheep. They know his voice and they follow him. Do you have that companionship with Jesus? Is Jesus real to you? One little boy prayed, you know, our Father who art in heaven, how did you know my name? How did you know my name? How many many hairs are on your head? He knows it, you know. He knows all about you and the miracle of that is he still loves you, even though he knows all about you. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Companionship. Now last, I want to look at what we would call the call of the shepherd. You know, there was the care of the shepherd, the contrast of the shepherd, the companionship of the shepherd, and now the call of the shepherd. Characteristic number four. Verse 16, Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. In other words, the call of the shepherd goes out to everyone. I mean, there's other sheep, you know, the voice of the shepherd goes out to everyone, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, to men and to women. To the young and to the old, to the slave and to the free, to boys and girls, to red, yellow, black, and white. The good shepherd has been calling from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sinned. They hid from God. And the Bible says the Lord called to Adam and said, hey, Adam, where are you? As if an all-knowing God 
didn't know where Adam was hiding. I think God wanted Adam to figure out where Adam was. Have you figured that out yet? Where are you in relation to this good shepherd? He's calling your name today. Do you hear his voice? You know, Adam, where are you? Dave, where are you? Mary, where are you? John, where are you? Jesus told a parable, right, in Luke 15 about a shepherd who had 100 sheep and one goes astray. And I don't know about you, maybe you feel like that one lonely lost sheep who strays away from the fold of God for whatever reason. Sometimes, you know, sheep start grazing and before they know it, they're far away from the others. They're far away from the good shepherd and often they wind up hurt and wounded and weary and bruised and bleeding and in danger of the wolves and other wild beasts and maybe you feel like a wolf has just taken a bite out of you and you're sitting there in the pew, you know, in pain today and nobody knows it. You're like a little lamb and the world has hurt you. Something was said. Something was done. You're feeling lost and lonely, maybe from a bruised and a bleeding relationship, maybe there's this like unexpected crisis in your life, a healing needs to take place in your heart. And I want you to know today that Jesus, he is there for you. He really is. He would leave the 99 to look for that one. One person is so important to Jesus. And he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to bring a peace that the world cannot understand and to offer forgiveness and to even remove guilt. And Jesus seeks and he searches not to punish us for what we've done, but to save us from what we have done. Oh, he's the good shepherd. Lost sheep often feel ashamed and they wonder if they'll be accepted back into the fold. And they wonder if the shepherd really cares or if the shepherd really knows. And they wonder if the shepherd will forgive. And they're wondering if the shepherd will find them and carry them back to the fold. And they wonder if they'll ever belong. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the good shepherd and he cares about you. He laid down his life for you. Unlike the hired hand, he owns you. You're important to him. You matter to him. And he wants you in the fold. How he longs to just pick you up. Do you know what it feels like to be safe in the arms of Jesus? Do you know what that feels like? To be held so close to his heart. And he calls you by name. Do you hear his voice calling from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20? Behold, right? I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have close fellowship with him. Have you ever done that? Do you hear that call? He's calling your name today. Open the door. Invite Christ to be your Lord and your Savior and your shepherd. Commit your life to Jesus. You know, many of us know the 23rd Psalm by heart. And before we close, I just want to look at just the first verse of the 23rd Psalm for a minute. And there's so much here. I mean, we could almost give a whole sermon on each word in the first verse of the 23rd Psalm. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. Start off with the, right? One word, the, the Lord. Not, the, not a Lord, but the Lord. You know, when David wrote this, 
The Egyptians had like 360 primary gods, one for every day of the year. The Canaanites in whose land the Israelites came to live, they had many gods. But David knew, David knew that there is but one God, the Lord, the Lord. And we could put the emphasis on the word Lord. You know, the great sovereign, the eternal God, the one who rules over all. Or we could put the emphasis on the word is, the Lord is you know, we can put that emphasis on that word is. E.V. Hill, one of my favorite preachers, he's with the Lord now, but he quoted this verse, and he stopped when he said the Lord is, and he began to talk about that little word is, and he said, you know, the Lord always has been is and always will be is, and I like that. E.V. Hill was talking about the eternality of God and the fact that God does not change, and he said when you, you just can't keep your tenses straight when you talk about our God. Or we could say the Lord is my. We could pull over here and park for a while and talk about this little word, my shepherd. Not the shepherd, not a great shepherd or a good shepherd. He's all of that, but my shepherd. That's the personal relationship that we can have with our Lord Jesus Christ. So we could talk about the word shepherd and, and put the emphasis upon the Lord is my shepherd and how he's responsible for every care that the sheep might have. But go back to that phrase, the Lord. Uh, this is good to hear about this, the Lord. I want you to think about our sovereign God. You know, some translations of the Bible, like the King James Version, uh, puts the word Lord in all capital letters. And here's the reason why. This word translated Lord is a translation of an Old Testament name for God. It's the most sacred name for deity that the Jews had. It is Jehovah. And every time you see the word Lord capitalized, it means Jehovah. And you can say that Jehovah, the Lord, Jehovah is my shepherd. And the name Jehovah was such a sacred name. You know, the self-existing one. The one who never had a beginning, never has an ending. The great I am, Jehovah, is my shepherd. And that name was so sacred to the Jewish people that some Bible historians say that it was only pronounced one time a year. And that's when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and whisper the name Jehovah. Jehovah. The Jews never spoke that name audibly. And when a Jewish scribe copied the scripture, when he would come to the word Jehovah, he'd put down that pen and he'd pick up a brand new pen just to write the name Jehovah. That's how sacred this name Jehovah was. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, the sovereign Jehovah, the great, great, great I am, the one who rules the universe, the sovereign And now notice the contrast, what David is saying in Psalm 23. The great Jehovah is my shepherd. Now we move from the sovereign to the shepherd. And learn this, that the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. Believe me, Jesus is Jehovah. That's what Jesus is saying through these I am passages in the Gospel of John. When we say Jehovah, we speak of his deity. But when we say shepherd, we speak of his humanity. And in John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus, I believe he unlocked the mystery of the 23rd Psalm when he said, I am the good shepherd. You want to know who David is talking about back there in Psalm 23? He's talking about me. I am the good shepherd. The sovereign, the shepherd, his deity, his humanity. I love it. You see, in the Lord Jesus, we have sovereignty and we have sympathy. 
A sovereign God who is able and a simple shepherd who is available. A God in the heavens and a shepherd in our hearts. The Lord Jehovah is my shepherd. Three times in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus is described as a shepherd. Now he's described, uh, first of all, in the passage that we've just been going through, John chapter 10, as the good shepherd in John 10 verse 11, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, We've often heard of a sheep dying for the shepherd when the shepherd's hungry, right? When he needs some mutton, some food. But who's ever heard of a shepherd dying for his sheep? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. You say, it's unthinkable that a shepherd would die for his sheep. More unthinkable that God would die for us. Jesus is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep. Now listen, when as the good shepherd he laid down his life for the sheep, he dealt with the penalty of sin. You see, the wages of sin is death. And that's what Jesus paid. And your sin will be pardoned by Christ or it will be punished in hell, but it will not be overlooked. Now wait a minute. Not only is he shown in the New Testament as the good shepherd in John chapter 10, but he's shown in Hebrews 13, as the great shepherd. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Wonderful passage. It goes like this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that what? That great shepherd of the sheep. In John 10, he's called the good shepherd. He died for the sheep, but in Hebrews 13, he's called the great shepherd. He rose for the, for, for the sheep. I mean, listen, it speaks of the resurrection. May the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. What good is a dead shepherd? He's no good at all except that he pays the penalty for the sheep's sin. What does scripture say? All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yes, he carried our sins to the cross. Therefore, he took care of that penalty of sin. But when he rose from the dead... He now deals with the power of sin. He's not only the good shepherd, he had to be good to die for our sins. But he's the great shepherd and he rose from the dead. And the Bible says now that he's able to lead us into those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free, wrote Charles Wesley. Not just that he died for me, but he lives for me, and that deals with the power of sin. But wait a minute. He's also called, in the New Testament, not only good shepherd, not only great shepherd, but he's called the chief shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. And there you have the ministry of Jesus. As a good shepherd, he had to be good to do it. He died for our sins taking care of the penalty of sin as the great shepherd. He had to be great to do it. He rose from the dead, taking care not only of the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. And then as the chief shepherd, he's coming again to take us from the very presence of sin, justification, sanctification, glorification in Christ Jesus. Matthew 25, verse 31. Jesus said this, when the Son of Man comes... In his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. 
All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The goats will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, the sheep to eternal, same word, eternal punishment, eternal life. So is the Lord your shepherd? Is the shepherd your Lord? Can you say the Lord is my shepherd? Maybe it's time we look to Jesus, the good shepherd who died for you, the great shepherd who lives for you, and the chief shepherd who's coming for you. Have you ever asked Jesus to forgive you, to save you, to be your shepherd. Would you just bow with me for a second and let's pray. Maybe you could pray something like this in your heart. Dear, dear God, dear Lord Jesus, I know that you want to save me. That's why you came, to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus, I can honestly say, I was and I am like a, a sheep kind of going astray. But you died for me. You paid my sin debt. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. And Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And you are the son of God with power. And you are able to lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Because you are a living shepherd. Come into my heart, Lord. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And Lord Jesus, I know that you are the chief Shepherd, coming soon. And I want to go home someday to be with you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and giving me satisfaction. The Lord, you're my shepherd. I shall not want. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, my shepherd, my leader, my lover, my forgiver. And Jesus, help me never to be ashamed of you, for it's in your matchless name that I pray. Amen. Uh, but I want to end with this benediction from Hebrews chapter 13. So it goes like this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Amen? Amen.